Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the east end of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com And we are recording. Hi, everybody. It's Thursday again, and here we are. Here we are. Good to see all your smiling faces. So we had some interesting late-breaking news this week about a case that really goes to the heart of one of the key rights that a lot of people on the East End enjoy, which is being able to take their vehicles out on the beach. Specifically, we're going to be talking today about Truck Beach, which is a stretch of about a mile or so um, in the Napeague area of Amagansett. And for decades, it's been a really popular spot in the summer for families to go with trucks and to have picnics and to hang out with their friends. And it's a very interesting case in that it's one of those things that people who aren't able to afford to live right on the ocean are able to actually enjoy the beach. So it's sort of like the rights of the the little guy, you know, who's been able to go down to the beach for decades. This week, a court decision came down from the state, an appellate decision, that basically reversed a 2016 ruling that allowed um, the trustees of East Hampton to dictate how that beach was used. And it now has gone back to the homeowners along that stretch who filed an appeal and claimed that they own that stretch of beach by virtue of an 1882 deed in which the trustees apparently gave ownership of that part of the beach to a man named Benson. But the town maintained that they still had the right to fish from that beach. People can go down there and fish freely, but- With nets. The idea of hanging out there all day with nets, with two T's, N-E-T-T-S. But the problem is the whole idea of, of being able to go down there and enjoy that beach in the middle of the day is, is really the point of contention. This is a very complicated way of introducing this whole subject, and I'll have to sort through this later, I'm sure. But with that, I guess let's start our introductions and then we can launch into this whole mess of legal legalese. So with us today is Bill Sutton. Hey, Bill. Hey, Anad. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group, and we record these via Zoom, and this is my fifth Zoom meeting of today. Oh, lucky boy. <laughs> and we have Catherine G. Manu, or also known as Georgie. Hey, Georgie. Hey, Matt. I'm Catherine Manu, sometimes known as Georgie, and I'm the co-publisher of the Express News Group. And we have Joe Shaw here today. Hi, Joe. Hi, I'm Joe Shaw, sometimes known as Bootsy. Um, I am the executive editor of the Express News Group. Great. My name is Annette Hinkle. I'm the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. And also joining us today is Michael Wright. And Michael is a very well-educated... The senior staff writer. Senior staff writer who knows about everything beach and fishing. So he's a really... And he's been writing about this lost... He's a bub. He's a total bub. You're going to get me in trouble by calling me a bub. I am not a bub. Oh, I am? I was about to say, I don't think he has the right to be referred to as a bub. <laughs> I'm from Southampton, and when I bought a house on Gardner <laughs> Avenue, I got bub street cred, but I am still not a bub. Got it. Got it. Good Good clarification. But he is an expert in all things beach and all things fishing. So, Mike, do you want to take my garbled introduction and try to couch it in a way that might make a little bit more sense as far as the issues going on at Truck Beach? Yeah, I mean, you, you said it right. It's it's a it's a very popular place. Um, it's the only beach in East Hampton town, and that's not technically completely true, but 
for the most part, it's the it's the beach where you can drive your truck on the beach, a four by four vehicle on the beach during the day in summertime, which of course is allowed, you know, in the off season pretty much everywhere. Uh, but the two towns have, uh, since they banned daytime beach driving in the, I don't know, late 80s, probably early 90s, um, they've both set aside places where they allow four by fours to continue using the beach because there are people, a lot of them, that like going to the beach with their vehicle instead of having to park in a parking lot and lug everything onto the sand. They want to bring grills and big coolers and paddle boards and kayaks and surfboards and Kadima and volleyball and all this sort of thing. And so, so they like being able to drive on the beach. Um, the, the place in East Hampton that allows that is this stretch of uh, beach between Napig Lane, uh, or actually the uh, little access at the end of a road off of Napig Lane, uh, and from there to the state park boundary, um, which of course does allow vehicles all day, but it has you have to have a state sticker. And so uh, it's about a 4,000 foot, linear foot stretch of beach. And it can be very crowded on Saturdays and mostly Sundays, um, you know, hundreds of trucks. And it's, a, you know, it can be like a wall of vehicles. And of course the neighbors uh, who own houses just on the other side of the dunes uh, have raised uh, a big stink about it. And in 2009, they filed a lawsuit uh, because they did a title search and figured out that that beach, uh, to their argument, had been part of the deed for the land, which of course back then was just wild dune lands uh, that the trustees sold in 1882. Uh, and the wording of the deed said to the mean high water mark. And um, so they sued and said, we own this beach and you have no right uh, to give people permission to use it other than how the, uh, what they call a reservation in the original deed um, describes the continued public access that would be allowed because uh, back in 1880, when the trustees sold it, they, they put a clause in there that said, you can't stop the fishermen from coming down and Back then it was hull sailing and putting their nets into the ocean to catch fish and, uh, and using the beach. And so there was a reservation that says that specifically. Um, they, they also sued on several other points um, that it was an attractive nuisance that even if the trustees were allowed to allow these trucks to do it, it was an environmental and health hazard because there's no bathrooms and the trucks degrade the dunes and the beach itself. Um, and uh, in 2016, they went to trial and um, a, a judge who literally on his last day on the bench, um, because he was being forced to retire by, uh, by age limits, um, issued a, a ruling that dismissed the homeowner's lawsuit on every count, um, which even the attorneys for the uh, defendants, the town and the trustees, were surprised, surprised. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that was tossed out. Um, during that whole fight up running up to the trial, the town had begun condemnation, not really proceedings, but had begun sort of getting its ducks in order to condemn the beach, which, so that's another story. Uh, this week, this week, the uh, uh, appellate division, second department, which is the, the main um, state appeals court 
uh, for all of Long Island, uh, I believe Westchester and like Brooklyn and Queens, um, issued a ruling saying the, the homeowners were right, their title searches are correct. Uh, the town had argued that there wasn't continuity of title, that there were gaps in the title that therefore uh, meant the beach had reverted to uh, public ownership. And the court said, no, that's not the case. They, they do own the beach and they have the right to say, you can't issue permits for vehicles to use this beach other than what it says in the reservations. Mm. And the court said in two different parts, they said um, uh, fishing and fishing related activities, but they did say in the plain language of the reservation and the plain language of the reservation says, for the landing of fishing boats and the laying of nets and the processing of uh, of fish from, caught in nets. So in theory, that's the, the only reason you'd be allowed to drive a vehicle onto the beach. I think that that would probably be something that would have to be litigated again um, as to whether that means, does, does, fish, does that mean when they said fishing and fishing related activities, does that just mean that surf casters in their trucks driving along the beach looking for striped bass will be allowed to to pass through there uh whatever it means it doesn't mean you can go there and have a barbecue and and uh and go paddle boarding with your, with your sunbathing not being a fishing related activity presumably so let me ask you this mike and this is sort of a key point that i want to get made that that we talked about before so this area this region is unique in the dongan patent which has to do with public access to the beaches this decision doesn't directly challenge that in any way, correct? This is not a decision that is going to challenge public access to all of the beaches in East Hampton Town or in the region. No, and 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 the Dong and Patton doesn't doesn't really have much to do with that. It, it, in, in Southampton, a lot is made of that because that is where the easement that was given to the trustees that was left to the freeholders and commonality mm -hmm. that's us the trustees being our representatives um uh that that's where the public access was left in, in this particular instance in east hampton the trustees maintain ownership of the beach in east hampton stupidly in the 19th century they sold a lot of it including all of montauk and this uh -huh. portion of beach and so it's a very different situation. In Southampton Town, the trustees don't own anything uh, other than bottomlands. Uh, they only have an easement over it. So basically, this stretch of beach has now become the same as what's in Southampton, which is a privately owned beach that has a legal easement for the public over it. It then becomes a matter of what that legal easement says. And now this is the second time that this appellate court, the same court, I'm not sure it's the same judges, but the same court has ruled that the power of the trustees to regulate access to the beach is only what is laid out specifically in those legal caveats that were that were written into law, uh, you know, over a century ago. It's about protecting fishing. This one is about fishing in in Southampton, it's a little broader. It's about collecting seaweed and uh, looking for whales, you know, the kind of things that were what people did on the beach. Um, there's reference to pass and repass, which, you know, is a bigger one. Uh, this is in Southampton, is a bigger one because 
you know, back then when there weren't a lot of roads, the beach was how you traveled between towns often. And so if there were, if somebody were to rule that it just meant that that had to be protected, well, you know, then any four wheel drive vehicle is probably uh, going to be allowed to continue traveling along the beach. Now, that is not East Hampton, and that is not um, the activity that, you know, goes on at these, uh, at these beaches, uh, the, the daytime picnic beaches. So the other thing I wanted to ask is, Georgie, can you talk a little bit about the emotional aspect of beach parking on Truck Beach? And, and this, has, this has real resonance beyond, this is a lot bigger deal than it might sound to the casual listener, right? This, is, this has a real emotional connection for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, I spent some time before I jumped on here kind of looking at some of the Facebook pages um, of members of Citizens for Access Rights, which was a nonprofit formed, I guess it was around 2009 um, by a group of residents who wanted to basically find a way to fundraise to fight for continued beach access because, you know, really while certainly there's a large group of people who, like Mike said, it's mostly on the weekends, it's really Sundays, have made a family tradition of going to that beach for generations, at least a couple. You know, it's also kind of becomes this, as a resident, and I grew up in Springs and, you know, an East Hampton High School graduate, it becomes this feeling of, you know, like what else is going to get taken away, you know, as a resident of a community that a couple of decades ago was uh, still a tourist destination, of course, but, you know, three decades ago, you could probably still afford to buy a house in East Hampton, you know, that you could get a job here, you could make a family, you could make a life. And um, as all of us well know, that has gotten continually more challenging with each passing year. And so there is this sense in, in, in those boards on those Facebook pages of like, what else is going to be taken from us? You know, now we can't even go enjoy this thing that we've been doing since we were kids with our families. And it's something we've now been doing with our children. You know, and I think that the CFAR organization did a really good job of trying to educate people who were going to Trek Beach about how to treat the beach responsibly, you know, not to speed, not to litter, you know, not to use the beach as a bathroom, you know, and, and I think that it made a real difference in the quality of beaching down there. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who are wondering where they're going to be spending their summer. And it's not as simple as saying, well, just go to Indian Wells, just go to Atlantic. You know, when you drive onto the beach with your family, like Mike said, you know, it's a different beach experience. My family does it. We have a truck. Um, we don't actually use truck beach these days. We use a different beach. Which beach do you use, Georgie? We drive onto the beach <laughs> every day on the weekends. <laughs> Just gonna keep moving along. And um, <laughs> we have. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. I really love that. I want to get in trouble with my husband here, but um, you know, we we pack our truck out. Like we have a cooler full of food and you know drinks, and we have um, you know our kids' boogie boards, and my daughter's getting into surfing and. 
Um, you know, we've got beach chairs and for, you know, my mother-in-law who walking half a mile down the beach to be able to provide some distance between herself and other beachgoers is a challenge. She can just get out of the car and sit right in a beach chair. Um, it's a really nice um, activity that we enjoy as a family and we enjoy it with a small community of our friends. And so that's the other thing that I think people are probably mourning today is the idea that there was this communal thing that we did together, you know, as locals um, that, you know, we probably, it sounds like at least on Truck Beach, we'll not be doing this summer. So I have a question about how it all came about. You know, how did it, how did it come about that there was this one beach that allowed driving on the beach in the summer? Um, and also where is the, the similar beach in Southampton? Uh, the similar beach in Southampton is, you know, they both, they're both locations that are adjacent to places that allowed driving on the beach because they're other, that they're uh, Truck Beach in East Hampton is adjacent to the New York State, Napique State Park and uh, what they call the picnic area in, uh, in Southampton is next to Suffolk County uh, Park at Shinnecock East. Um, and so they were just sort of natural places, but also they're, you know, they're sort of in the day, they were the hinterlands. Yeah. You know, they were the, they were the edge, the furthest edge beach where you could go um, out of sight. And so when, you know, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that there wasn't a rule against driving your truck on the beach in the summertime. I'm old enough to remember when I was a little kid and people would go by and, you know, in the late 70s, dune buggies were the thing. People would go by in dune buggies and, uh, and Jeeps. And, you know, it changed in the 80s or 90s. They, they blocked that and stopped the vehicles during the day. And even then, it's not like that beach blew up. What changed is that everybody has a four-wheel drive vehicle now. Mm. And, you know, you, you talk about families down there, it, it often one family, even if it's just husband, wife, and their two young children come in two different cars because it's Saturday and mom and the kids go at 11 o'clock and dad works uh, until one o'clock and then comes down himself. And so there's two trucks. And I mean, I know some families in Southampton that have eight trucks that every kid and it's you know two generations three generations and they all have their own trucks and they all come in their own trucks because it's just that that's what changed that's when truck beach changed uh -huh. was in the was in the early 2000s when when the suv became especially out here you know a two-car family now is almost always a two suv family you have a you have a pickup truck and you have your you know, your SUV that, that, uh, you know, is for, is your everyday car. And, and I guess I could definitely see it being kind of annoying from the point of view of the people that live there. Right. Listen, all the users of the beach say it all the time. They say, we get it. You know, it's, it's a ton of cars and here they are right in front of their house. But their argument is, you know what, it's, it's at best, it's two days a week yeah. for 10 weeks a year. And really it's only, eight weeks a year and of those eight weeks maybe you know five four or five weekends both days are nice you know and so yeah. it's really it's Sundays are when it's full tilt and listen you people are lucky you own beautiful houses on the ocean 
leave us alone kind of kind of thing is the sentiment. I mean, the reality is, like Mike said, I mean, really, it is probably eight maximum days of the entire year that Truck Beach is you know, the fully populated truck beach that Mike's talking about. And it is, it's a lot of vehicles and it's a lot of families. And I don't want to minimize that at all, but you know, there are a lot of summer Saturdays where, you know, frankly, half of the families bringing their kids there have kids and junior lifeguards and they're not at truck beach. And you can drive down to truck beach on a Saturday and there's really not that many people there. And you can drive down to truck beach Monday through Friday and there's nobody there. So, I mean, it really is a handful of days. Yeah, and especially on Saturday, you know, before one o'clock, there's almost nobody there. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel, be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com So this is David Lease, who is an East Hampton town native and town councilman, and also one of the co-founders of CIFAR, Citizens for Access Rice, which we've already discussed a little bit. And he is joining us for the podcast today. Thanks for coming on, Dave. Thank you for your invite. So David, what happens now? It just seems like this is a game of ping pong in a way. It keeps going back and forth. There's been you know, a case that seemed to be uh, decided in the town's favor, and now you have this appellate court reversing all that. What is your thoughts on this latest ruling? Well, I think, uh, first of all, you have to look through the details of the ruling and then continue to vigorously defend the public's access to, uh, to our beaches. It's our most prized elements here. And I think the town board would be in full support of taking any legal action uh, possible. Uh, the majority of the board, I think the, all the board has stated that in the past. And I, uh, I, I, would, I believe the board will continue to do so. One of the options, I think Peter Van Skoyak said uh, in the immediate uh, result of this uh, court ruling was, well, now we have to move forward with condemnation. Is that, is that what you think uh, is going to, do you, do you think there's enough support for that? And, and what, are the, what are the pitfalls of that for the town? I, I do believe there is support for that. Um, is that the, the initial play that we, uh, that we do right now is still to be determined, but that is an option out there. I think anytime where you're looking at legal action or looking at a, uh, a court case of this magnitude, specifically as you mentioned, the ping pong effect, this is not the first time that the, court, uh, that the town has lost a portion of this case in the past. Uh, you have to be prepared to take any option possible if you feel very passionate about the public public's right to access the beach. Uh, pitfalls of it, uh, they're too to be determined. You know, uh, you know, there's a, a le uh, elongated legal processes. There could be potential costs to it. Uh, those are some of the pitfalls that, that that could come from it. Mike, you wrote about this. What's what what's the what's the background on that? Yeah, well, you know, condemnation is you know something that you've heard about uh, here and there. A, a municipality has the right to seize a piece of privately owned land uh, for public benefit. Um, you see it usually in places. I, I mean, I think they condemned a lot of land when they built Hudson Yards, and uh, uh, the you know, where the, where the arena is in Brooklyn. And, you know, the, the trick of it is that you have to pay a fair value for it. 
and that fair value is determined in court. There's, uh, I mean, unless you have, you know, a willing seller, which then isn't condemnation, but I mean, unless there's, unless there's some other arrangement, basically the two sides come to court, make their argument for what the value that they think it is. And a judge who, you know, just like this ruling came out of nowhere tomorrow, just decides kind of unilaterally what the value is. And there have been some places um, that have gotten hung out to dry by it. And, and, you know, the judge has decided that the land is worth just a huge, huge amount of money. Um, and so the argument when it, when it was before the town board, which actually was before David's, uh, David's time, but he was certainly sitting in the audience for it. Um, the argument was by the homeowners, uh, you know, they were sort of um, predicting fire and brimstone and that the, because, you know, obviously it's the ocean front, right? So that seems like it should be hugely valuable in the Hamptons. And uh, see, this is, this is such a great, a great um, little bit of this. I think it's a, it's the, it's one of the cool um, things that'll be interesting to see how it shakes out because that little stretch of sand is arguably the most valuable piece of property because everybody wants to be on it. Everybody wants to be near it. But you can't develop it. But you can't develop it. Right. And Joe, my question to you, Joe, is how do you define valuable? Yeah. Right. Well, and that's what and that's what the homeowner's argument is, is that they're saying that if we don't own the beach, if this beach isn't part of you know our property, then our property isn't as valuable, to which the town countered well, you know, how is that different for anybody that owns a house on uh -huh. the beach? Uh, you know, the, the the Maras that live on the ocean next to them, they don't own the beach in front of their house and their house is worth $100 million. <laughs> so, you know, where is that value really to those people? They can't develop it. Nobody else can develop it. So it's not like having it taken away from them is suddenly going to not make their house oceanfront anymore. Um, so, you know, and, and they're still going to have access to the beach because it would become public. So it's not like they would be excluded from it specifically. Well, I assume that's the argument. Yeah, there, I mean, you could, uh, it would be, it'd be interesting to see if you could take a poll of people in the town as to how much they'd be willing to pay in a tax increase to have that beach available to them. I'll bet you it would be quite a bit. But David, I, 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 David, I wonder if the town, that'll be the town's argument is, okay, so we're seizing the, we're, we're going to condemn the beach in the ocean beach in front of your house. Uh, we have to pay you the value of that beach, but your house is worth $6 million because it's an oceanfront house. Your house is still an oceanfront house and it's still worth $6 million. So the, the huge amount of money that they might feel that they're owed because the, because the, the, the you know, because of the condemnation of the beach, I imagine that's the town's argument, right? Well, let me roll this back a little bit, Joe. Uh, there's no specific homeowners that are actually on this lawsuit anymore. Uh, the court actually dismissed uh, uh, Jay Baker, I believe he's the owner of Coles, and, and others already. The only ones that are were with ones that already had plots or filed subdivision maps that deeded that conveyed the properties back to the township or others. So they're they're homeowners associations. So. It's not necessarily are we looking at the value of one individual pro property, but what's the value to a homeowners association? Uh, that's one of the ways that you have to look at it too. And again, this is these are all the next dynamics uh, as we move forward to defend defend the, the public's right for uh, beach access in this in this area and this area, then also in other areas, uh, you know, around East Hampton. 
So that, that's that's one way you have to have to look look at it. So I don't know if that's the the, the right way to look at it. Uh, you got to see who the the practitioners in the court case. And right now they're only sub they're only uh, uh, they're only homeowners associations. Um, they did claim quick claim deeds on this. They discussed that also in the in the determination too. So can I clarify uh, based on this case? Does this mean that they're considering that beachfront private, meaning that that homeowner association gets to say who can or cannot come on that beach or does this sort of revert to other rules about public beach use throughout east hampton i'm going to go with both uh, and i'll unpack that so the first first aspect of it yes uh they are they will be claimed as a as a private beach down to the mean high watermark uh where instead as based on the file subdivision maps uh it, it where they convey it only uh the lands past the toe of the dune, which is a movable boundary. They conveyed that back in the 80s or other times when they actually followed the subdivisions. But yes, they can claim it as a private beach. Now, who has the authority right now to regulate a private beach will be in discussion also. Uh, there aren't many, the second part of that question, there aren't many other locations within the town of East Hampton where there are private beaches, but there are probably a lot of other locations which individuals think they have private mm -hmm. beaches and will see this and say they're being emboldened to continue to privatize their beach and that will degrade what we've commonly had the right to since 1648 out here. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that, you know, as Gavin and I were talking about this ruling last night, I, when I first moved here when I was three, we lived with my grandmother on Surf Drive, which is not far from Napeeg Lane. And in those, it's like a little enclave at the you know, just as you come down the hill heading onto the Nipeak stretch, a little group of streets in Amagansett right next to the beach. And they have like two access points to the beach, two walkways, and they'll have like security guards there. And they like, you know, ask you, you know, where, you know, if you live in the homeowners association and presumably they would deny you access to the beach. And now probably the walkways would be private, but I've always said to Gavin, like those beaches aren't actually private. It's just like kind of under this guise that it's private just because of those walkways and because of the way those homeowners associations operate. In, in that situation, that's correct. So we're worried about this being a slippery slope, right? I'm more than worried. But that's also why we've been defending this and looking forward at looking at this for almost over 10 years since the initial judgment was, was put out there. I mean, one of the lead lawyers for the appellate or, or for Seaview in this case actually was the same attorney that actually wrote the memos and the file subdivision that stated that the beach was to be conveyed to a public entity. That's the irony in this case, if you start really getting deep into it. Now he is charged with trying to privatize it again. But Dave, I wanted to ask you, because obviously now you're a member of the East Hampton Town Board and you're fighting um, you know, this battle for access as a town councilman, but obviously when this all started, you know, you were just a, a resident, um, you know, who cared deeply about this subject. And, you know, Joe asked me a little earlier in the conversation to talk about kind of what this feels like for town residents. And I'm, I'm hoping that you can kind of share a little bit, not just as a town councilman, remove yourself from that role for a minute and just talk about what this means to town residents who've been enjoying Truck Beach and who've been fighting for beach access for over a decade now. Uh, well, I, there's two incorrect statements I, that I will d d disagree with you on there. We call it a family beach, not truck beach. And okay. 
Branding. It's all about branding, isn't it? Dave? And it's been uh, it's been a lot longer than a decade. This has been going on for uh, for for de for decades. Um, back in the early '80s, um, what how I started using that that location, and that was before a lot of these subdivisions were even there. Um, the, I belong to Presbyterian Church, and the dads of the Presbyterian Church and the dads of uh, the East Hampton Methodist Church would actually take all the youth youth down to that beach after church. And we're talking about old hall singers, uh, Bill Leland. We go down there with Mr. Darrell and such. And we would just go out to this place where they knew me was on the, on the beach just to get away. This is how me personally, I grew up out here. And, and, and it was nice because it was a place to get away. Don't get me wrong. I worked in, at Main Beach. I worked at other locations out here. But the beach out there is just quite beautiful to, to get away from. There's also something nice about accessing the beach through the traditional means of vehicular access that we've, we've been doing. Um, so that's, it's just, just inherently a little bit in my blood. Um, and, and that many others out there. And now there's others that go down there just to enjoy themselves. So that, that's the importance there. It's a, it's a generational importance. Uh, and that's, I guess, where the, the genesis for me is to, uh, to try to publicly defend that area and others. Let me clarify, Dave, the, use of that beach by vehicles predates a lot of the houses that were built, correct? Yes, yes. By, I mean, was that a fairly deserted stretch of beach when, when it was being used for that purpose early on? Yeah, yeah the simple answer is yes. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember homes behind us. Of course, there was, the, there was just the one home that was originally um, a World War II watchtower. That was it. I, I was just enjoying hanging out with my friends and my family. You know, I, I didn't really think about lit litigation at that time. Oh, of course. Not. No, I'm thinking philosophically, that's a point that I think people would make, which is the houses were built there knowing what the beach was. And that maybe should be part of, I, I mean, I think that's one of the arguments that certainly can be made is that it's the who was there first argument, you know, uh, you know, and if, you know, it maybe should carry a little bit of weight uh, that homeowners who built houses right there, knowing what that beach was, maybe shouldn't be able to change its use. I'm not necessarily making that point. I'm simply raising it as a legitimate, I think that's an argument you could make. Like buying a house near the airport and then complaining there's an airport. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yes. Well, except, yeah, and you know, the parallels with the airport problem are, uh, are perfect here because it's the same thing. These people are saying, well, yes, you know, it's always been there. We knew that it was there, but it wasn't what it is now at the time. And there was no, you know, no indication that it was going to explode into what it is now. You know, it wasn't when David was going there as a kid. You know, if it was 15 trucks, that I would be shocked. Uh, just like, you know, East Hampton Airport was, you know, it may have had a lot of flights, but it was little, uh, you know, the, the number of helicopters was, was just a handful, and now it's thousands. And Just so we define our terms here, Dave. So if it was 15 trucks, it was a lot when you were a kid. On a heavy day today, on a, on a Sunday afternoon, bright summer, August, how many trucks? Are we talking? I, I I don't count them at all. Uh, Give I me an know. idea. I Somebody. Really don't, I don't I don't count them, but there's more than there was before. But there's always been vehicle access down there. I, I think I think that I think the homeowners 
in the suit had counted 300 and change? I was going to say, are we talking 50? Are we talking 200? There was a 200? There was a number that they said that. There was a number, there was a number that one of, one of uh, um, in testimony that was said, I, I disagree with that number by at least more than half. If it's 150 trucks, that's a ton of trucks. Okay, so, so you're saying 100, 150. I think you're looking at even half yeah. of that. Well, it's less than that. Okay. But 150, if it's even 150 or even 200, if there, if that's that peak amount that you're talking about, as we discussed earlier, that's like maybe a handful of Sundays of the year that you're going to see that peak capacity, you know, I mean, really. I'd believe 200. All right, but we got to a number. That's what <laughs> I was bring up numbers, didn't you, Joe? <laughs> I just wanted to get to a number. And the numbers are silly because it's hard to, you know, it's hard to like actually picture what 200 cars or 100 cars is. I get that because I honestly, I've never been to Truck Beach during one of these days. And I'm thinking a lot of people listening probably haven't. And I, I'm having trouble grasping the size of the issue. But now I get it. It's more than a mile of beach. Well, no, it's three quarters of a mile of beach that I would guess is three quarters, like door-to-door trucks. So solid trucks for about half a mile, let's say. One line? Yeah, 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 only one road. It's not, it's not like, yeah, it's not like Southampton where the beach is really wide and they have two rows of vehicles in a beach. This is just one, one row of vehicles. Yeah, that's why I was curious because I've seen. But, but let me add, let me add to that. That's for seven days out of the year. Right. At that point, yeah. Exactly. So I guess my question is, are there other places, either Southampton or East Hampton, where we see there's think there's going to be homeowners who are going to really jump on this and maybe try to join the bandwagon and use this suit as a reason to uh, to try to privatize their own stretch of the beach? If the question is to myself, I think there's places within our township, within our sister colonial township of Southampton, that's already happening. Happening, and I think there's other locations up and down the seaboard. In East Hampton, it will be more difficult because, of course, they'll have to win on the basis of owning the beach first. The East Hampton trustees own the beaches. There are some places where that's been cast in doubt uh, and to date hasn't been litigated, but certainly that's out there. In Southampton, you know, they don't own the beaches. They never have. The beaches are privately owned by the adjacent home on the other side of the dunes, but the trustees have an easement. There was a a big case four or five years ago now where the Southampton town trustees who have always maintained that they have this authority over the use of the beach uh, to the extent that they could prevent homeowners from doing things that would threaten that public easement, so, you know, cause erosion. And uh, one of the municipalities um, that didn't like their rulings took them to court. And like I said, the, this same court, the, the appellate division ruled that their authority actually is only in uh, enforcing and regulating the activities that were laid out in the specific easement, which did not include whether you could build a bulkhead uh, or a seawall or put sandbags on the beach. When that case came down, there were several people that said, well, you're going to see the four by four people, anti four by four people taking this ruling now and saying, see, you're not allowed to tell people that they can drive their 
2017 Ford Explorer onto the beach because this easement that was written in 1796 or whenever it was doesn't say anything about Ford Explorers driving on the beach and parking for the day with their family. They haven't done that yet. That, that, that's sort of always looming that somebody could, could, be, uh, could take it to court on the basis that they only have authority to the specific words that are in those easements and not the kind of presumed relativity to modern day that people have always kind of given the trustees. And, and listen, Fred Thiel and others have, have uh, talked about introducing laws at the state that would actually just give those powers back to the, the trustees, the powers that everybody in this town has sort of just assumed that they always had and were fine with that, even though it was, even though it was apparently just completely conjured out of nowhere. <laughs> I know we've had a lot of incidents where um, where some of those homeowners have also blocked access, you know, so yeah, sure, the beach is public, but try accessing one of the roads that leads to the beach, there's boulders and guards and all that kind of stuff. Right, well, and also no parking. You know, what's, what else is interesting, the, the, one of the side effects, it's a little counterintuitive, but in Southampton town, the fight over the picnic area in Southampton village actually led to a conversation about one of the problems is, well, it's the only beach in Southampton that allows that. So maybe we need to open up more beaches to allow it so that we could spread it around a little more. So it actually led to a con. I don't think that step has actually been taken yet. There was talk about opening up a, a Hampton Bays beach or maybe an East Quag beach to truck traffic as well to try and take some of the, some of the traffic off the picnic area. Mike, when did that get so regulated? I mean, I'm assuming traditionally people just drove on any beach. When did that, when did that change? Uh, like I said, I, I don't remember when it was in, I think it was in the eighties. I think it was probably the mid eighties when they, when they changed the law that, you know, the beaches were closed to vehicles between 9am and 6pm between May 15th and September 15th. The only people that drove on the beach back then were fishermen in the fall when they were looking for fish and, you know, the handful of people that had dune buggies. And it was, you know, it wasn't like a, you didn't go to the beach in your truck as often as it was, you went to the beach for the driving on the beach for the, you know, for that was the activity was the driving on the beach. Really quick, just because I don't want to um, be remiss and forgetting to do this, but we did actually have a couple of town trustees that were interested in joining us today. They actually ended up deferring because the town trustees decided to have a meeting before they spoke publicly about the situation, which we totally respect. But we did get a statement from the East Hampton town trustees. They said, we are disappointed in the decision and need to review and understand what our options are. However, the trustees firmly believe the public is entitled access and will work closely with the town board to do everything we can to protect this right. And, and, I'll, and I'll let everyone know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm here speaking as myself and not on behalf of the town board also. I'm glad to hear the trustees have taken that statement. I know the town board will be making a statement shortly also, or, or just continue to make sure that we, we defend, defend rights. And I will just point out, you know, to, to Annette's point a minute ago that, you know, yes, this is parking, but this beach will effectively become a private beach without four by four access because it's more than a mile from the nearest parking lot. And that's always been another argument as this case has unfolded has been, you know, if, if you're talking about town residents having access to all of the beaches, well, guess what? You're not going to be able to access this beach if you can't access it with a vehicle in the summer. Oh, that's an interesting point. Um, Mike and Dave, the, I, this is obviously going to be appealed one more time, I would guess, correct? 
to be determined. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think Dave is prepared to state that. Dave is not going to be able to say that, but I'll just point out that yes, there is of course another avenue for appeal. However, you know, to a, you can't just appeal on the merits of the case to the Court of Appeals, which is the state's highest court. You have to appeal on a matter of law. So it has to be there. You have to you have to say that the that the um, the appellate division failed to uh, consider a, a matter of law, which, you know, whether these titles exist or not, I'm, I'm not sure if that qualifies or not, but that's for the attorneys. There, there's, there's a million grounds for that kind of thing. But yes, there is an avenue for another appeal, but it's, it's narrower than, than just appealing a decision um, because you don't think the judge considered it properly. And, and so this decision will have an effect on this summer? As of right now, certainly. Oh, yeah. I wonder if this will be something too that is of interest to watch in other states who have maybe similar issues and similar laws. I'm not sure how unique we are as far as the access, public access in terms of neighboring states like Connecticut and Massachusetts and other coastal areas. You gotta remember these, a lot of the patents that came to the town for this came from, I say, the freedoms of the town for the public came out of the 1648 Dongan patent. And that only came to the, you know, a little bit more than the five East 10 towns at that time. And, over the years, they have been eroded. So that's a lot different in our colonial settings out here than a lot of other areas, you know, on the, on the seaboard. But there is always a friction between private and then public use. That's something I think everyone's always gonna have to contend with. And, and there's nothing new to other, other locations. Very few of them have the level of public access protect. I mean, even, even other parts of Long Island, um, there are a lot of places where public access uh, to beaches is is just not feasible. Um, a lot of it is access. You know, our, we have all our road ends that end at the beach. We have these, you know, town beaches. So there's there's places to get at the beach, and then you can move along them. And you know, there's different levels of that in other places. Some places. You know, the beach may be technically public, but there's no place to park and go to a beach. And then there's places where homeowners associations have basically blocked off the beach with fences and gates and said, this is privately owned land. They own the land below the watermark. Um, and they say, you know, you have to keep out. And, and I will say that, you know, uh, one of the former town attorneys uh, in East Hampton had, had expressed a uh, a dash of disappointment when they when this case was won originally because he was looking forward to the condemnation being carried through, um, thinking that you know that was going to be something that attorneys around here would would be setting precedent and and sort of writing the strategy that you could take to other places all over the country and say to these towns, look, you should go and just condemn these beaches for public access, and these people can't say. Oh no, that's worth you know hundreds of millions of dollars. You say you're going to have to give them, you know, a couple million bucks, and you and you throw a five dollar surcharge onto your property taxes for everybody, and the beach becomes public. And uh, you know that's certainly one of the uh, one of the possibilities. I mean, in Southampton Town, I would think that would very quickly become a become something of interest. It would just sort of take that whole consideration of lawsuits off the over the easement off the table. Well, I guess we're gonna have to stay tuned to this one, won't we? Yeah, this isn't going away anytime soon. But yeah, it doesn't doesn't sound like there's going to be truck beach this summer unless 
somebody's got something up their sleeve. Or unless word, unless word gets around that the East Hampton Town Police just aren't going to enforce it. <laughs> you didn't hear that here, just to be clear. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27east.com, and sagharborexpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.